Well, good morning. I'm Pastor Allen. We're glad that you're here. And um, we're going to talk about a well, possibly controversial issue. In fact, uh, how many of you think I shouldn't even be talking about politics? No, oh, nobody got their hand up. Good, good. But does it make you nervous? <laughs> or maybe excited. So, in uh, your daily life, and the people you hang out with, are you the person, how many of you are the person that brings politics up? Raise your hand. If you're the person that brings politics up. One, two, three, yeah, a few of you. How many of you just want to avoid the topic altogether? Put your hand up. Uh, there's more of you. Okay. <laughs> All right. How many of you watched the uh, debates last Sunday night? Uh, quite a few of you. Quite a few. What about the uh, vice president ones? I think it was the week before. Uh, same crowd. All right. How many of you actually watched the uh, political party conventions back in the summer? How many of you watched that stuff? Oh, only a couple of you. Okay. How about the, the party debates? The Republican candidates debating and the Democrat candidates. How many of you watched that stuff? Ah, oh, quite a few of you. Okay. All right. I was interested because in our first, second, yeah, the first service, most people are like my age and older. And I just wondered if there was a different demographic, uh, different... Uh, feelings toward politics and elections with the younger folks, but it's actually pretty, pretty similar, so that's pretty interesting. All right, how many of you have already decided who you're going to vote for? Most of you. All right, we were kind of split in the first service. Hope, I'm not going to ask you, but hopefully all of you are going to vote, okay? That's that's important uh, right privilege we have in this country. All right, so faith and politics. I want to challenge you to do something this morning, and I think you all can do it. Uh, if you're not a Jesus follower, we're glad that you're here, but we're going to talk about the connection between faith and politics. Um, I want to challenge you to do this. Put your faith before your politics. Put your faith before your politics. So put your faith before if you're a Republican, before being a Republican and what Republicans stand for. Put your faith before... Uh, the Democratic Party, if that's what you support, or some other party. Put your faith before that. <clears throat> now, here's why. Nobody goes to D.C. when they die. Do they? Now, let's be honest. <laughs> okay? <laughs> Nobody's going to Washington. I don't know if anybody wants to go there anyway, but especially when you die, you're not going to Washington, D.C. And I go see people in the hospital and... Uh, Actually, we had somebody that used to come here to uh, die on Friday, um, Beverly Foster. So some of you might have known her. But uh, the viewing's on Tuesday night here in Smithsburg if you want to attend. I've never been in a, at somebody's hospital bedside or somebody's deathbed side, and they say, Ah, oh, Pastor, would you please pull out the Constitution and read it to me? Never had that happen. Now, maybe someday it may, but up to this point, after almost 40 years, it's never happened yet. All right. So, in reality, there's some things more important than politics, right? And when you're going through a crisis, whether it's a health crisis or a financial crisis or some kind of relational crisis, really, politics aren't really on your mind, are they? So, there are some things more important, and we'd like to make the case, obviously, that faith is more important than politics. So, you really don't see any conflict between, most of you, between your faith and politics, do you? In fact, many of you would say, I support this candidate, and I support this party, 
or have these beliefs because uh, of my faith. All right? I think this candidate or this party lines up with what I believe or this candidate or this party lines up. So you don't really see a conflict between your faith and, and your politics. And a little bit in tongue-in-cheek, but if you're a Republican, you believe that God is always right and Jesus is always right, and so it's just right to be on the right, right? In fact, we can even see Jesus talk about that. In uh, Luke chapter 5, Jesus answers them, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I have come to call those who think they are right, just, but those who knew they are sinners and need to repent. So Jesus was always talking about being right or on the right. So obviously if Jesus was alive today, he'd be a Republican. And some of you disagree with that. And you say, oh, if Jesus was alive today, he would certainly be a Democrat. I mean, he was all for free health care. He was healing people and charging them, right? And free food, he was feeding them. And uh, he even, one time he was feeding people, and we can read that, he ate as much as they wanted. Afterwards, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of leftovers. So Jesus would be on the left if he was here today, right? All right. So it's easy for us to pick our stance and think, ah, yeah, that's where my faith has taken me. Now, let's flesh this out a little bit. It's not even enough, I don't believe, for you to say, Bible first, politics second. Why is that true? Because most people, there's Jesus follows the Republicans, or Jesus follows the Democrats, or Jesus follows their independents. And so all of them, again, don't see a conflict between your faith and your religion or what the Bible says. Now, back in the 1860s when we had a civil war, I'm not sure, but I would say probably the people in the South were, quote, unquote, more religious than the people in the North. And they believed in slavery. Hardly anybody believes in slavery today, right? Well, let me ask you, have you ever believed something in the past and you believe something differently now? Don't raise your hand, but we, um, <laughs> if you've lived very long, that's happened to you, right? So you can support whatever you want from the Bible. So I, I don't think it's enough to say Bible first and politics second. What about this? How about, let's, let's just do Jesus first and a political party second. You know, if Jesus was here, he would be on our side, whether it's the left or the right. I'm sure of it. Well, as the old black preacher said, Jesus didn't come to take sides. He came to take over. Jesus wouldn't take sides. He didn't take sides back 2,000 years ago. He said, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's and unto God what is God's. And um, that's how he approached it. So how should we approach it? How should we approach this issue of faith and politics? I think we should do this. To get this right... We must do something that Jesus did. If we want to get this right, we have to do something Jesus did or something Jesus said and consequently did. And it's really pretty simple, yet profound, yet life-changing, let's transforming. And so we're going to look at something he said, but to boil it down, here's the approach Jesus took. People first politics second. Now it's interesting that politicians would say they are putting people first. Now I'm a little skeptical as most of you know. Uh, To me it's more about putting themselves first or putting power first. 
for many of them, not all of them. But I think most of us can find common ground here, whether you're Democrat, Republican, whether you're Christian, some other religion, or maybe not religious at all. I think most of us could agree with this, this premise. People first, politics second. Now, we can disagree about what's best for people, right? In fact, we will. Even us in this room, but certainly Democrats and Republicans and Independents would all disagree at what's best for people. That makes different political parties. They say this is best for people. This group says this is best for people. So we can, can and will disagree about what's best for people. But we can't disagree that what's best for people is what's best, can we? We talk about it often. It's about relationships. So if you look at Jesus' life, if you look at what he said, this would become pretty obvious, right? What's best for people is what's best. The most famous verse in the Bible, John 3.16, for God so loved the world, the word love means what's best, right? That he gave his only son to die for us so we could have eternal life or be reconnected with God. So I believe Jesus said what's best for people is what's best. In fact, if you look at Jesus, what drove Jesus crazy? What kind of people? What just, you know, he just couldn't, had difficulty handling. What kind of people did Jesus have trouble with? Well, it was the people that put laws or religion above people. And he would say over and over again, the laws, God didn't make people for the law, he made the law for people. So people first, and the laws are supposed to help people. Not, okay, we got these laws, and people are supposed to obey the laws. Well, they had these different groups that lived during Jesus' day. A couple major groups were the Sadducees and the Pharisees. And they would come and interact with Jesus. And they would ask him questions to try and trip him up. Now, people do this in the political realm, right? During debates, somebody will say, uh, throw out some question for the other candidate trying to trap him, get him to say something that will make him look bad or her bad. And uh, get people not to like them and, and like them better and so forth. So this is as old as history, right? People are going to bring up stuff or ask questions to try and make somebody, trap somebody, make somebody make a mistake. So the Sadducees had done this with Jesus, and he kind of blown, blown them out of the water, and they didn't get very far. So then the Pharisees gave it a try. And so we're going to look at something that Jesus said as they approached Jesus, again, to trap him, not honestly. They asked him a question. Okay, we got all these laws. Laws are important. Religion's re- important. But okay. Some have to be more important than others, right? In fact, tell us, what's the most important one? 600 and whatever, one of them must be more important than the other. And so Jesus obliged him. He actually answered this question. Often he didn't answer questions, but this time he answers. And here's what he said. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. So you want to boil it all down, summarize it, this is it. Now, the problem with this, though, is there's a lot of wiggle room here. Let me try and explain what I mean by that. What's it mean to love the Lord with all your heart? I'm not quite sure, but I would like to do that, or I'm trying to do that, right? Or you may be telling me that, but can I tell if you're doing that? Can you tell if I'm doing that? I don't think so. What about with all your soul? I'm really not sure what that means. What does it mean to love God with all my soul? I mean, I would like to. I hope I am. Can you tell if I'm doing that? Can I tell if you're doing that? I don't think so. 
What about with all your mind? Well, I mean, that's a little hard, I think. I have to think about other stuff, don't I? Um, but yeah, I would like to think I am or like to try. And again, can you tell if I am or can I tell if you are? I don't think so. So, Jesus didn't stop there. In fact, I don't think he even took a breath. Um, he said, um, this is the first and greatest commandment and. <laughs> and a second is equally important. I, I, I can't boil it down to one. I can boil it down to two. All right? Equally important. I can't put one before the other. One's not important than the other. The other's not important. In fact, they're kind of connected, or they are connected. And what he's going to say is you can't stop there. You've got to look at how you treat people. See, that first one's all on the inside, isn't it? Love God with all my heart, soul, and mind. That's all on the inside. He said it can't be all on the inside. It's also got to come out on the outside. And so the second one is equally important. And he goes on and says, love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Now, <clears throat> we don't understand how emotional this comment would be to the Pharisees. Because they are all about the law, right? And all about the prophets. And for Jesus to say, okay, you love the laws, you love the prophets. This is what they were about. Loving God and loving people. Now, it's pretty simple, right? If you're ever in a question about what you should do, you can kind of filter it with those two statements, right? Well, is this loving God? Is this loving people? And if not, it's probably not the good thing to do. It's not the wise thing to do. Now, can you imagine our country, just say for the next three months, <laughs> to the end of the year, <clears throat> that everybody would do that? I like to imagine stuff. I'm not gonna, I know it's not going to happen. Just imagine how would, different would our country feel? I think most of us agree our country doesn't really feel too great right now, does it? How different would our country feel? Uh, we really wouldn't need too many laws, would we? You could get rid of most of the laws. In fact, 99% of the laws you wouldn't need <laughs> if we all live, love God and love people. Take care of everything, doesn't it? Now, I don't, don't get on my case for saying this, but it probably wouldn't really matter who was president, would it? or Congress, or whatever. So, do you think Jesus was right? I don't mean on the right. I mean, Jesus was correct. I think so. <clears throat> so, what does this mean to you and me? How do we make an application in our, in our lives? Well, first, <clears throat> kind of use some logic here. <clears throat> Your behavior makes perfect sense to you. Right? If I asked you why you came to church today, you would have a reason. All right? if I, even if I asked you why you wore whatever clothes you wore, you would, might say, well, it's the only ones I had clean, or <laughs> whatever, my favorite, or uh, my spouse picked it out for me, or my parents, or whatever. Okay? You would have a reason. And whatever you have for lunch today, if I asked you why did you have that for lunch, you would tell me. You, and what you did this past week, you could explain that to me. Your behavior makes perfect sense to you. Now, from, from an outsider looking at you, I think, well, I don't know why they did that. That doesn't make sense to me, but it makes sense to you. So, your, your, your behavior makes perfect sense to you, but my behavior makes perfect sense to me, right? So, let's just kind of combine this. 
So everybody's behavior makes perfect sense to him or her. We all agree with that? All right. So let's switch it over to the political realm. So your political views make perfect sense to you, right? Democrat, Republican, independent, not, not, non-connected, left, right. Whatever political views you have, you have because it makes sense to you to have those views, I think, I hope. <laughs> um, mine make perfect sense to me. Where I stand politically, who I support, makes perfect sense to me. I look at the issues, I look at what's important, and I, and I make the decision. So, again, let's combine those. Everybody's political views make perfect sense to him or her. So here's, here's the point. So anytime you're talking or meet somebody or hear somebody in a conversation and you're thinking, I don't get it. How could they think that? How could they believe that? How could they support that? Um, I don't know how they could believe that. In fact, uh, I, I'm losing respect for them because of this, this stance or that stance. Well, when you begin to think that or feel that way about somebody, let me encourage you to do something. Here it is. Let me encourage you to be a student, not a critic. Be a student, but not a critic. Now, would you agree with me we all could learn something? In fact, one of my mantras is lifetime learner. I'm going to be learning, hopefully, till the day I die. I should learn, uh, hopefully, you learn something every day. And let me just say this, if you don't think you can, that's a pretty arrogant stance to take, isn't it? So let's look at this political season, which really gets hyped up every four years. Let's look at this political season as a season to learn. Now for some of you, that's easy. That's kind of the way you, you operate. That's the way you function. That's the way you, way you um, handle life. For others of you, this is kind of difficult. This is tough. In fact, um, you may need to put that on, a, on your mirror or something at your house. Be a student, not a critic. Be a student, not a critic. Remind yourself. Because uh, some of you just naturally want to be, I don't know, critical, I guess. You want to criticize people. See, if you're a Jesus follower, again, if you're not, we're glad you're here. But if you're a Jesus follower, we should be the most confident, curious, composed, and compassionate people in the room. We should, why should we be the most confident? Because we understand what life's about, right? We know it's about. We know it's about loving God and loving other people. Uh, we know how we have our sins forgiven. We've connected with God through Jesus. We know we're going to spend eternity. We've got to figure it out. We can kind of relax. You know, we don't fear death. We should be confident. We also be, should be curious. Um, about people, about science, for example. We shouldn't fear science. When scientists discover something, what should be our attitude? Well, that's how God does it. Or that's how God did it, right? You should love science. Get excited about it. Be the most composed. If these first two things are true, we should, we should be composed in any setting. We shouldn't um, lose our temper, lose control, should be composed, got it figured out, know what's, what's important, etc. 
So consequently, we should be the most compassionate people, right? Loving God, loving people, we should be the most compassionate. I've got it figured out. I'm going to help you figure it out. I'm going to help you get through life, etc. And God's the source of all wisdom. Will wisdom ever run out? Don't think so. So let me give you four questions to avoid what we're calling election infection. All right? Here's question number one. What led, when you're discussing something with someone, what led you to hold that view? So anytime you enter a conversation with somebody else about their political views, you're entering at the end of a long conversation, discussion, or at least a long rationalization or of beliefs. You know, I have had political views for like 40 years, right? And it's evolved. And so when you're talking to a person, especially if they don't agree with what you, you believe, well, well, tell me, what, what led you to hold that view? How did you get to that point in your life? So what they're going to tell you is their story. Now, I, I've experienced this with my neighbor, Wally. Some of you met him. I don't tend to bring up politics in discussions, but he does. <laughs> All right? And we're kind of on opposite ends. And we're still friends. Um, <clears throat> but after 10 years of having discussions with him, or you can have with anybody else, you begin to understand how that person holds the belief they hold. And the really significant thing is it's kind of hard to dislike them after that. And we see a lot of dislike in politics, don't we? And so consequently, the temperature goes down in the room. I can have a, a long political conversation with Wally and neither one of us. Well, he gets a little excited. I, I, don't get, I don't really get excited. Even though we don't agree probably on anything, politically or faith issues. So ask the person that question. Second question. Have you always held that, this view? Now, Again, all of us have probably changed our minds or our viewpoints on issues in our lifetime, right? So ask, okay, is this relatively new? Have you always had this belief? Or how did it evolve? The Bible gives us lots of instructions. One of the instructions the Bible gives us is not to let any unwholesome word come out of our mouth. And I think the temptation often is, is greater to do that in a political discussion than almost any other time. So, keep our calm, keep our cool. Third question. Discussing a political candidate. Ask them, have you met him or her? And your response you're going to get back almost always is what? No, no. Oh, so you haven't met them. You mean um, the presidential candidates haven't stopped by your house and wanted to hear, asked your opinion on this topic or that? Uh, hadn't happened to me yet. I don't look, <laughs> look for it to happen either. Um, Neil, Neil Parrott, one of our local representatives, he's actually been to church here once. I actually had a one-minute conversation with him. So I really know him, right? The one-minute conversation. Even the person that you meet. So, you haven't really met them. You really, if you haven't met them, you really don't know them, do you? So, what are we all doing? Well, that gets us to point question number four. 
I get most of my information from the media. How about you? That's where we get it, right? Internet. Of course, the internet. Everything on the internet is true, right? Uh, everything on the news is, is true, right? Everything in the newspaper is true. So, what do we say? What does that mean? That our information is biased, right? In fact, it's impossible to pass on information without bias. It's impossible to be completely neutral. And so we have our leanings, so we'll listen to whatever radio or TV that supports our leanings, right? But it's biased. And if they're honest, they admit it. So consequently, all we're getting is, at best, marginal information. We would say it this way, with a spin. It's all information with a spin. So what matters most? All right, so let's wrap this discussion up. Four things in conclusion. Should you have a political opinion? Absolutely. I hope you do. And most of you, many of you put, you've already decided who you're going to vote for. You have an opinion. And if I was to ask you why are you voting, you could, you could tell me. Hopefully you could tell me. All right. Secondly, should you argue or maybe discuss your point of view Again, absolutely. Um, if you're like me, I, I pray about these things, and so I hopefully I've got some God insight into these issues, and so you know I'm not thinking I'm always right, but I would like to think there's there's some good reasons to believe what I believe, and so I would like to discuss that with you. Not hopefully not argue, but discuss that with you. So have opinions, support your opinions, but thirdly. Make a point at the expense of influence? Absolutely not. The Bible says, Jesus said this, you're supposed to be salt, we're supposed to be light. What's the common denominator between salt and light? It influences its environment. The salt influences the food, makes it taste better. The light influences the room. I was working on Josh and Robin's house in the basement yesterday, and in one corner there's no windows. And so I was drawing lines on the wood, and I couldn't see them. So I had to plug a light in. Then I could see it influenced the environment. So we're supposed to bring healing. We're supposed to bring restoration. So never, ever, ever give up influence. Whether it's with your family, your spouse, your kids, your parents, at school or at work, at church, out in the community. Never, ever give up influence, especially for some political opinion or stance. Why not? Because, hold on a second, your opinion really doesn't count, does it? My opinion really doesn't count. But it's better than that. Your vote does count. And I'm not against the media. I think media has an important role. And I'd hate to be in a country that didn't have freedom of press. So that's not, not one of my bandwagons. And lastly, don't ever let it jeopardize a relationship. 
If I had defended my political views with my neighbor Wally, we would no longer have a relationship. We wouldn't, would we? Even though, again, I don't agree with anything. But I'm able to manage that conversation so I can continue to have relationship and I continue to have influence. So where do we start? Here's where we're going to end. We can disagree on what's best for people, and we will, and we do, and the political parties do, and the candidates do, but we can't disagree that what's best for people is what's best. So you and I have a great opportunity in the next three weeks plus (laughs) to get this right. People first. Politics second. But if we get this wrong... People suffer, our country can suffer. So if I'm going to put my faith first, I've got to put people first. So that's my challenge to you, and I know you're up for it. So let's do it, not just the next three weeks, but uh, always. So let's pray, and we'll have a song and let you go. Father God, thank you. We thank you for a country where we do have freedom, and we do get the vote. And even though we may not agree or maybe not like some of the candidates or maybe not any of the candidates, uh, this is where we are. And we truly believe that you're in control and that our country can weather whatever storm, whatever political party uh, gets in power. Uh, We thank you for Jesus' example that we need to love you, God, and love people. Everything else kind of is secondary to that. We pray for anybody here this morning that may have not be a Jesus follower yet, that they would step across that line today. All it, may, all it takes is the desire, the consent. Yes, I want to be a Jesus follower. I want to step across the line. I, I want to see what that's like. And God, let them um, share that with someone so that we might encourage them and help them as you describe it as a new birth. And just like a new baby needs lots of tender care, uh, new believers do also. And that's one of the big responsibilities of the, of the church. And we thank you for that. Um, God, we pray for the next three weeks plus that um, those things that are important will be surfaced and people will make wise, um, educated, knowledgeable uh, decisions come election day. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.